How do we get our small businesses to stand out online without breaking the bank? We are the small business owners. We dared to be different the day we decided to seize the opportunity going into business for ourselves. Our friends and family called us crazy, risk takers and rebels, but we are on a mission to create a legacy and in the process, do business better. How do we reach more customers without spending more time and money on advertising so that we can focus on doing what we love, building our business? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Okay. Hey, all you rebels. I'm here with Gina Molinari, right? (laughs) I practiced it beforehand, and I still mess it up. It's why I go by Gina Mo. It just makes it really easy to spell the pronouns, all the good things. <laughs> yeah, I have one of those too. Stowicki is one of those where I'm like, Stan Wicky, Stan, Stowick, Stan Wicky. Thank you for understanding. Okay, well, she's here because she helps purpose-driven business owners get confident, clear, and consistent in how they show up as the face of their business. So Gina, tell us a little backstory on how you became so inspired to help business owners show up online. Yeah, it's a long evolution, as I'm sure most people who are entrepreneurs and kind of build their own business, uh, you know, go through that transition. But it started with me actually as being an opera singer way back in the day. Uh, I had gone to my undergraduate to be an opera singer only to realize upon graduation that I had terrible performance anxiety, which is kind of a problem if you want to be a performer. So I switched gears after some, you know, serious rejection. I was like, all right, I really can't do this. So I went to grad school for performing arts administration. I went to NYU for my master's and that's where I really fell in love with marketing. And so, you know, I really fell in love with being able to convince people that classical music was still something they really needed to explore, that it wasn't just for old people and it wasn't this archaic sort of music thing. Um, And then from there, I still felt like something was kind of missing. So I started to dabble in entrepreneurship. And when I went into entrepreneurship, it was a little different again. So it was like blog writing and ghost writing and social media strategy and all of that. But I kept finding that I pivoted, 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 not really finding the thing. You know, I was having trouble finding the thing that I really was passionate to stick with. And then one day I was going through a leadership training and I was, you know, going through all these limiting beliefs and like that sort of training, just kind of diving into what is it I really want? What is my purpose? And I came to the realization that everything I had done before that was really about the passion of language, you know, or performing is about communicating something powerful with music. It's a message and you have to really be strong at it because most of the time in classical music, you're not singing in English. So I have to like really portray with my body, with my vocal tone, what it is that I'm trying to get across. So between that and marketing, which of course is all about language and the psychology of your word choices and things, coupled with with all these other areas that were language based, I was like, wow, you know, what I've really stumbled upon here is my real true passion to show people the value of what it is I bring to the world, whether it's my story, my message, my work, whatever that looks like. I have failed so many times to do that for myself that now I feel like I have a really great grasp with a really unique set of tools to teach other people how to really communicate that value. And that's where being, you know, the face of your business, a lot of people struggle because it's about me. Like, I don't want it to be about me. It's about my work, but we have to be comfortable and confident enough to actually step into that place. So it was this long evolution that got me there, but I love it. It is definitely the thing now. I'm sure of that. (laughs) So do you still sing opera? 
sometimes. I, you know, I don't do it regularly. It is something I intend to get back to, but I just did a keynote at a conference last weekend uh, and I did sing to close the conference. So singing is something I want to incorporate back into and break through my own fears with that. Uh, I, of course, want to be the example when I tell my people who are scared of public speaking to, to break out of their shell. I want to be an example of that and be working through my own stuff too. Yeah, I definitely think if you started or ended with uh, some opera singing, that would make you very memorable. <laughs> the event producer was highly impressed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so why do you feel that it's important for business owners to show up more online as the face of their business? Yeah, I mean, branding right now, especially like it's such an oversaturated space online that there has to be some Something that sets you apart from somebody else. And, you know, there's plenty of people out there who maybe do what I do. They're public speaking coaches or they're online marketing strategists, but they're not doing it the way I do it. They don't have the experience of working with them that I bring to the table, not only because of my own experiences and tools, but because of my personality, because of what somebody can do to relate to me. And so that could truly be the biggest difference and the biggest selling point for a lot of people is, do I trust this person? Can I communicate with this person? Especially if if the line of work they're in is particularly sensitive or private, you know, if it's insurance or finances, something where you're dealing with a lot of personal information, people need to know they can trust you. And maybe they're resistant to get support in that area because they're having trouble finding somebody they can trust. So if you become a person and you're not just some large entity trying to get their money, then it becomes much more approachable. Just like, you know, I imagine uh, approaching somebody who's really attractive. Like if you're just looking at them from really far away, like, oh my God, they're, they're an Adonis, they're a great God, like I can't possibly go up to them. But the second you have a conversation with them, you think, oh, this is actually just a person. This is somebody who's very relatable or, oh, they have a lot of insecurities like I do too, anything of that sort of thing. It's very, very similar sort of experience. Would you say that it's kind of like building yourself as the brand? Because they always say people don't just buy things, they buy the stories and they buy from people they know, like, and trust. And so it's the yes. same with brands. They buy from brands they recognize because they've been happy with them in the past or someone told them they were happy with them. Do you feel like that's part of the reason why getting yourself out there is so important because now you're the brand? Yeah, well, if you think about it, I mean, word of mouth is still the absolute number one strongest way to get business. So if somebody associates you with the word of mouth, then it's like, oh, okay, I automatically trust you because I got this referral from somebody else who I already trust. The closest way you can replicate that is for them to know, like, and trust you without having talked to you by being that face, by being the constant presence. It's like you build this one relationship, much like your podcast. So they get to know you, even though you've never talked to them directly, possibly. They get to know you and have this one-sided relationship where, yeah, I can trust her. I feel like I know her. And it's something that I feel comfortable then having a conversation with her about. And, you know, what else is social media, but basically word of mouth marketing where people are sharing things exactly. and talking about people and recommending or saying, hey, that, that person or business sucks. So let's talk about what do you feel like is the best strategy for getting seen online? Um, the best strategy. I mean, that, that's so personal for the person's business as well as their likes. Um, and what I mean by that is that, you know, people are hesitant to get in the online space. They're hesitant to find ways to be on every platform that they could possibly be on. And what I like to tell people is that, you know, it's not about being on all of them and trying so hard to be in every place so much as doing one thing really, really well. So for instance, I don't really hang out on a bunch of social media platforms 
platforms because I don't like to. I'm not going to actively log into them every single day because I don't have the energetic capacity. Now, if I have more money to delegate a full team to certain platforms to do them well, absolutely, I will do that. And I've begun to do that with my virtual assistants for certain things. But when it comes to me actively showing up and being a consistent presence, I know I can do that well on Facebook. So Facebook is the thing I go to. So what matters is not only that you're using a platform where your ideal people actually are, of course, that matters first and foremost, but it's something that you can be truly consistent with because you don't dread doing it every single day. So whether it's one thing, two things, you know, some people are like Facebook and Instagram, some people love TikTok and Instagram, whatever it is. Um, but then also using the best practices of that. So the marriage of those three things for you, your specific need, that's what matters most. It's not about the best strategy on each thing if you dread doing it every day and your ideal people aren't there. You know, I'm not gonna be looking for moms on LinkedIn. I'm gonna be looking for them on Pinterest. I'm gonna be looking for the younger demographic on some of these newer platforms. So for me to force myself in all these directions and cause myself both a time and energy suck is just not worth my time. So you feel like Facebook's a good safe place for many beginners to start, which which I think is true. What I looked it up, 2.7 billion active users on Facebook. It's the best cross section. Yeah, it's the best cross section of people. But again, if you hate Facebook and you're adamantly against it, don't do that. You have to find a place that you're willing to go more consistently. That consistency, that matters far above anything else. True, true. But if they're starting on Facebook, what do you feel like the strategy is? It's, it's that consistency. It's Facebook Live. Facebook Live is always the best way. Video in general is always a better way for people to learn from you. And education-based marketing. I mean, if you teach people something, you show them that you're worth your salt, then they're absolutely going to trust you more because, hey, not only is she giving me great information for free, what am I going to learn if I actually pay her? But also, again, that trust factor of, wow, I really appreciate that they're giving me this for free. They're not even asking anything of me at this point. Perfect. Well said. Well, what do you feel like common mistakes are that you see them making when they start implementing or putting themselves out there on social media? Um, there's too much active selling. So instead of it just being truly value for the sake of teaching something and to building that rapport, it's just sell, sell, sell. Like everything it ends with the call to action to buy something. It doesn't always have to be that. It can be a call to action that's a little softer. Like, hey, if you want to have a phone call or write a comment below, like those are still calls to action. They're just not nearly as like in your face, buy from me, buy from me me. So they don't always have to end that way. And I think people sometimes think that having a call to action means it has to be the sale at the end, but it doesn't because you don't have conversations like that either. And you think of it that way, like a, a piece of content, a piece of video content specifically, if that is just like any other conversation I have with somebody else, I'm not always going to make that call to, you know, sell them at the end. Sometimes it's just a get to know you conversation, whatever that looks like. Okay. Well, when you do a Facebook Live, do you have any recommendations for, you know, say, I remember when I first started, but it's been two years now, and I was holding my phone up, staring at it, staring at myself, and I was like, what am I supposed to say? And then you, like, start talking, and you're, like, talking to yourself, and you're like, oh, look at that girl, like, she doesn't know what she's talking about, and then you make a mistake, right? And you're like, oh, my God, delete it before anybody sees it. So, so do you have any recommendations for those? those people in the early stages of like trying and they're dealing with the panic of like, oh, I said something stupid or um, all the, like, you're just blank. Like I remember a few times I'd be going and then all of a sudden my mind would just go blank and I'd be like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. So I have lots 
some suggestions for this. So the first couple, you mentioned a couple things. So first of all, it does take some getting used to looking at the camera as if it's a person. So I'm doing that even right now, like, cause I want you to feel like I'm making eye contact with you when you're looking at the video. And it really does make all the difference as opposed to you looking at yourself and like really, so like it just really does change the experience for the viewer. So teaching yourself how to do that, whether that means actually putting little googly eyes on your phone or on your webcam, I know it's silly, but it also does give you a little bit of a chuckle to lighten the mood so that it does feel serious. It does feel stressful. Okay, I'm giggling a little bit. It makes it a little easier. So the second thing is what I also tell my public speaking clients, like you always want to practice and be prepared for what it is you're going to say. And Facebook Live, unless you're doing like a webinar style Facebook Live, they shouldn't be very long. They should only be like three to five minutes of value. So you don't need to memorize this entire crazy script. But if you did just create like a little bullet point list for yourself and being clear that really all you want is one takeaway for each video, you don't want to bob them down with a ton of information because that's going to be overwhelming for the other people. You want to take one simple idea, one simple thought, one simple message. And if you can narrow it down to one sentence and then just expand upon it for those three to five minutes. So I always like to compare it to like a persuasive essay in high school. Remember having to write those? You had like your thesis statement and then you had your three paragraphs to support it and then whatever. It's a very similar thing. So if you have your one thesis statement of what you want to talk about or people to walk away with, and then you had a couple bullet points and you just keep them to the side, you know, you just keep them to the side. No one's going to judge you for looking off to the side for a second to look what your next bullet point is. Nobody's going to say a damn thing. And it helps you just feel more confident. It's just a little bit of a crutch. Think about it. News anchors are on TV every day. They have teleprompters. You know, there's no such thing as cheating here. It's just setting yourself up to do the best job you can. So those are like the big main things that I think really helps people, like even just giving them that permission to use a cheat sheet sometimes is enough to have them actually just hit that button for the first time. Nice. Yeah. I used to make, even for my podcast early on, even now, I still make a little bullet list of what the points I want to make because it can be terrifying when you go to publish it and you're like, oh wait, I should have said this thing or I forgot that thing. So definitely. It's good advice being prepared. Uh, do you have a time that you normally do your Facebook lives or, cause I noticed when I did them for my, my vintage store, I would do them right after close or right um, before I opened. And that seemed to be the best times for that business. Yeah, well, there, there's two schools of thought on that. Number one, again, the consistency matters more than anything. So if you're trying to do like a consistent Facebook live appearance of some kind, having that consistency and like really marketing it. Okay, I'm going live. At one point I was going live on the eights. It was 8 a.m. every day sort of thing. You know, marketing that for that consistency, sometimes that helps. But if it's only convenient for you to go live at certain times, then, you know, work with that and then just make sure you're marketing to let people know, hey, I'm going live at 3 p.m. Make sure you tune in because I'm talking about this thing or the other. But the other thing is that COVID has actually really changed the most common and popular times that people are online because now it's all the time. So what used to work for me, even with like email marketing, no longer works. So the rules are kind of there's really not any best times anymore because things are still kind of getting settled as people find new routines. So it really is now more about like what works best for you and making sure that you're letting people know that that's your plan. Because even if it's just once a week or once every two weeks or something, that's what you really want is to let people know and to get them excited about it. That's the part that they're going to tune in for. Yeah. Well, do you have any advice on how to build excitement for when you do Facebook Live? I mean, you do absolutely want to tell people like what it is you're going to talk about or if it's like 
you're announcing something that's new for sale or something like that, like, oh, big news coming, you know, a new launch coming, make sure you tune in at 3 p.m. to hear me talk about what's coming next or something like that. Um, so kind of elusive, kind of clickbaity sometimes is really effective, but the more excited you are about it, the more excited they are. The other thing I find works really, really well is something that's very contradictory to what a common thought would be. So for instance, if you're in the health and wellness space where it's just like, is exercise making you fatter? Tune in at 7 p.m. for me to talk about it. You know, like that's just something that you're like, wait a minute, what is she talking about? I got to hear all about this. Yeah. So things like that, that kind of um, challenge the, the status quo and the sort of common thought, those are often very effective too. Nice. Yeah. I would probably tune in for the, is exercise making you fatter? Because I think sometimes when I exercise, and then I'm like, oh, I was good. I can eat this whole bag of chips. And then right? that's, that's how exercise could make you fatter. Exactly. Or you're only doing a certain type. And so your body's getting used to it. And then you're, or you're, you're over-exercising. So you're whatever it is. So tell us a little bit about the challenges that you faced when you started getting your business online. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, again, I had a long time to figure out exactly what my footing was. So for me, I think the biggest challenge was figuring out how to position myself. Like, what do I truly want to be known as and known for? And that honestly, for me, just came with experimentation. It came with a lot of trying things that I wanted to work because originally the vision was really, this was more involved in personal branding, which this is in a version of it, but it's because become so much more specific after that time, you know, really honing in on it's the people's like persona, their online persona that I'm really helping people with. It's not just like a personal brand and what you want to be known as. That's really a bigger thing. So for me, really experimenting with uh, what feels good for me? What am I excited to talk about most? And what do people really know me for? How am I positioning myself to stay in that niche and stay in that lane so that people can recommend me and act as my sales force, essentially? You know, they can do that word of mouth referral for me um, because if they can't explain what it is that I do, then I'm not doing my job of being clear enough in what I do. Thanks. Well, in addition to that, what is the number one fear holding business owners back from being the face of their business and how can they overcome this fear? Hmm. It's not the actual fear that they think all, all the time, but ultimately under that is always that it's about them. Like the fear that comes from, um, you know, like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be too much. I don't, I, I don't know enough. I'm not experienced enough. Uh, this person's already said that sort of thing. It all comes down to some conversation along the lines of it's about me. And when we remember that, it actually makes it a lot easier to turn on the teacher switch and to remember it's really not about us. We're just like the vehicle for the information. We're the vehicle and the you know profit of this message, this story, whatever it is. Because for every time we're not telling our story, we're doing somebody a disservice. My singing I always had this idea that me singing was selfish, that me singing was just me showing off and nobody wanted to hear that. And that's a lot of where my anxiety came from, uh, in addition to this body insecurity, actually being up in front of a room with all eyes on me. But when I had experienced singing at a family friend's funeral and I made the entire room cry, like I just broke open all of their hearts and I realized, you know what, this is not a gift for me. I'm the only one who could really facilitate that experience with my voice. And so who the hell am I to say that my fear outweighs their breakthrough? So it, for me, it was so important to have that lesson. And I, that still pops up for me to say like, oh, I don't want to sing. Like, I don't want to show off. 
But at the same time, I know that it brings such joy and such solace and peace to people sometimes that it'd be selfish of me to keep it to myself. Thanks. Yeah, I remember all those theater kids where they were just like, I'd be over there like, those kids are throwing or showing off. <laughs> yeah, well, that was always my fear, but I also didn't allow myself to grow because of that fear. So it's like, okay, how can I use this as something for good? You know, I used it to end a conference. Like it was this powerful conference. I wanted to contribute to it in this fun, creative sort of way that I was asked to do. It's not like I, you know, volunteered, like I'm doing this and you can't stop me sort of thing. It's not for me. It was never about being on stage and being the diva. It was always about the music, the message and the the connection that you make with people when you do that. Oh, nice. So do you have anything else you want to add a final last word to anyone on the fence about getting their business online and stepping forward and really um, breaking through that fear? Yeah, I think that people who really struggle to be the face of their business just finally truly notice when they try to bring it online. Because the reality is that if you're not comfortable being the face of your business, then you're not comfortable networking. You're not comfortable doing a pitch or a presentation of any kind. God forbid public speaking and actually presenting to a large group of people. You know, online is just a really easy way for you to finally have that mirror held up to you. So if that's something that you struggle with, you know, it's okay that you're not great at it from the get-go. And it's okay that this is something you struggle with, even though you know you're incredibly talented or experienced or whatever that looks like. That this just brings up a whole new set of fears for people sometimes that, you know, you just haven't had to experience before. So let's work through them together. I'm happy to support people in doing that. Perfect. Well, I did hear that you had a special offer for those who wanted to show up uh, more confident, clear, and consistent as the face of their business. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. So because Facebook Live is still like the number one thing that people are terrified of, I am creating a mini course. I'm releasing it for Black Friday. So by the time this comes out, it will be early bird available. Uh, It is fear to Facebook Live in four. It is a Facebook Live course that's going to go over all of the technology, the logistics, the mindset pieces, as well as the best practices of how to really show up on Facebook Live well. So it's going to be this amazing video course that you get lifetime access to. But in addition to that because it's going to be a Black Friday special. It's also going to come with my vocal health module. I have not lost my voice in 16 years because of the opera training I have. So it comes with that, which is a $97 value. It also comes with another uh, training that I'm creating, another mini course specifically for how to mark or to network online. Because now people are like, how do I do this networking thing online without feeling super icky and salesy? That's going to come with it too. That's another $97 value. And the first 10 people to buy it are also going to get an autographed copy of my book, Why I Love to Make People Cry, How to Be Confident and Authentic Online. And if that's not enough, everybody who buys the Black Friday special is going to be entered into a raffle to win an amazing ring light to do those Facebook Lives. And I love my ring light. I'm using it right now and it just makes me happy. It lights me up real good. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's so exciting. I might have to take advantage of that because I'm one of those people that I like my voice will choke and I'll start coughing fits and especially if I get more nervous and then the more I talk the more I lose my voice so I need some opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's all about breath support and I mean who knows better about breath support than opera singers who sing without amplification over an 80 piece orchestra. Let me tell you it's all about that breath support. So yeah we learn all about that in that vocal health module. So those three things it's like a $300 value depending on whether or not you win the ring light uh, for 147. So it's super low uh, cost for you to get all of that awesomeness for life. Ooh that's so exciting. Well how can the listeners get in touch with you? 
Uh, GinaMolinari.com is always the best way to reach me. I am also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Gina Mo. Uh, and I do have a free group for women called Confident Female Entrepreneurs Making an Impact. And I can link that for you in the group as well. Sweet. Yep. And I will put all of your links in the show notes. And with that, I greatly appreciate you being the first official guest on this brand new podcast. And I can't wait to see uh, the launch of your new course. Hey there, I put together argumentally the best how to design Facebook ads guide for small businesses. This guide will help you avoid the top three costly mistakes that most business owners make when they start running Facebook ads. Grab it now and start designing Facebook ads that don't suck at rebelfunnels.com guide.